This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I drink it up. First, you gotta do the trouble shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. Say hi to your mom for me. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Positivity Wolfie T. You crazy if you think I'm going to walk up some dark alley with a loud orange hat on my head and a whistle. What's up? Not much. What's up with you? Not a lot. But I don't know. Not much. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm probably... Either my kid is here or very close to being here since we are recording this ahead of time. Probably post this next week. What today is the seventh? Yes. Probably post this next week sometime. We're going to record Demolition Man tomorrow. Going to release that a week or two after time after time. That'll be about the time you and Stu are going to record an episode. And then the adventure really begins. Mm hmm. Myself and Stu from the Midnight Movie Cowboys will be uh, taking a shot at some episodes without Mulder. And uh, the first one we're going to do is a recently seen. So that'll be a couple weeks after this episode. And then uh, we're thinking about doing an episode on Repo Man after that. That'll be the, good. The Emilio Estevez, Harry Dean Stanton vehicle. Are you going to host or introduce the episodes? Uh, probably. That was, uh, that was kind of my, uh, my thought. You're going to bring the energy? I would slide into the uh, primary host role, and then we'll, we'll stumble through it together. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll you wanted me holding you back this time. There we'll you go. Tr- we'll try not to kill the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> not too worried about it. In fact, I'm pretty excited. We'll see how it goes. Uh, if you've heard our, any of the episodes we've recorded with Stu, he, uh, he hasn't liked any of the movies that we've had him watch <laughs> so far. So <laughs> he's had a couple of zero on, on the MMA, on the MMC uh, zero to 10 scale. He's had a few zeros in the episodes we've invited him on to. So. It's Crocodile Dundee. And what else was it? Uh, Die Hard 2. He yeah, Die Hard 2. He hated. But uh, he'll be watching The Fanatic starring John Travolta <laughs> and directed by Fred Durst for the movie challenge. <laughs> uh, I can only imagine when he's going to think of that. It's a total cra- crapshoot because he could love it or it, it could be the worst movie he's ever seen. Stu's a wild card. You never know what he's going to think of something. Because he does like some movies that are terrible and others he justifiably hates. I will contend that The Fanatic is not terrible. Mm. It, it gets a bad reputation. and People you know, like to hate on it because John Travolta made some brave choices in his acting <laughs> in the movie. And uh, just having Fred Durst's name attached to it, uh, a lot of people uh, will dismiss it immediately. But uh, 
I, I, I watched it once uh, before and it, uh, it was pretty fun. So I'm excited to check that out again. So uh, Stu and I can kind of dig a little deeper into it. Is Fred Durst the cinematic auteur that we need in a post COVID world? He's pretty good. He's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, let's switch gears from Fred Durst to HG Wells. Today we're talking about time after time from 1979. I guess, why don't you briefly just talk about the, the first time you saw it? I, this, this was the first time watch for me. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, when did you first see it? Um, I want to say within the last 10 years, um, I probably watch it off of Turner classic movies. I, I would guess later I bought the Blu-ray and, uh, so I've seen it a couple times since then. Um, and I, I liked it a lot. I really enjoyed it. It's, uh, kind of a different movie, different mm-hmm. kind of movie. It's uh pretty unique. Yeah. I'm always down to see uh, Malcolm McDowell. And pretty much anything he does, especially since Clockwork Orange is one of, if not the favorite movie of, of mine. Yeah, I love a Clockwork Orange. So it's probably in my top three. Mm-hmm. Malcolm had a lot of duds. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It seems like he disappeared for a long time, but maybe it was just in a lot of movies that nobody saw. Yeah. And he's done a lot of really shitty movies since uh, like 2000. Like he'll pop up in really low budget stuff and straight to streaming. Just anything that'll give him a paycheck, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Most recently in Father Stew. Um, let's talk about the details. So this film, Time After Time, was directed by Nicholas Meyer, who also directed Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Probably my favorite Star Trek film. Um, and he also did Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. He also wrote a lot of prolific screenwriter that Nicholas Meyer. Let's look at some of these. Yeah, he also he wrote Star Trek IV, mm-hmm. but he didn't direct it. The fun one. <laughs> Have you seen all the Star Treks? No, I haven't seen. I don't think I've seen any of them. Okay. Well, I guess that's what, that's what we'll start after James Bond. So in about three years... I'll start challenging you to old Star Treks. Am I to believe that Star Trek Four is essentially the same storyline as Time After Time? It's a little similar. Uh, <laughs> they need to save a whale from the 1980s. <laughs> <laughs> so they go back in time to San Francisco to uh, save a couple of humpback whales to bring into the future. There's just a weird signal out in space and it's basically the same frequency as the the humpback whales speak with each other with that's funny but the gist i remember of it but yeah it's a fish out of water at star trek uh, you know they're going back in time to 1984 san francisco hilarity ensues (laughs) i had heard that i I think our friend john grace had pointed that out Mm -hmm. or maybe maybe it was hunter it was one of the guys one of the other MMC guys who is not helping in Eric's absence. <laughs> the uh, plot synopsis for Star Trek Four: To save Earth from an alien probe, Admiral James T. Kirk and his fugitive crew go back in time to San Francisco in 1986 to retrieve the only beings who can communicate with it, humpback whales. 
That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> it reminds me of the South Park where the uh, they go to the Sea World or whatever, and the guys uh, make <laughs> well, them yeah. Believe, yeah, they make them believe that the <laughs> the orca whale is from the moon and it needs to go home. <laughs> they go to the, the Mexican NASA. See fly. <laughs> See fly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, gotta get this whale back to the moon (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so uh, other credits of his not a whole lot that I've seen or heard of he did some other time after time stuff looks like it was a a series a mini series yeah I was reading they, they made a TV series about it in 2017 and apparently it only ran for five of the 12 episodes, except mm. for in there's two countries in Europe where it played all 12 episodes, but everywhere else they, they canceled it after five. Oh, Spain and Portugal got all 12. Mm. Everywhere else uh, was canceled due to low ratings. Let's look at the cast. Malcolm McDowell plays H.G. Wells. Mary Steenburgen plays Amy Robbins. David Warner, the doctor from Secret of the Use, plays Dr. John Leslie Stevenson, Jack the Ripper. Charles Kiofi, Kiofi plays Police Lieutenant Mitchell. Credits are kind of out of order here. Yeah. Uh, Patty D. Arbenville played Shirley. James Garrett as Edwards. Leo Lewis as Richardson. Laurie Main played Inspector Gregson. Bob Shaw is the bank officer. MC Ganey is London Bobby. You recognize MC Ganey, don't you? Uh, he looks familiar. What do I know him from? Well, you know him from Con Air. He was the uh, convict that could fly the plane. So he's the pilot that they used to overtake the plane. He's in Club Dread, Wild Hogs. Dukes of Hazard. Dukes of Hazard is on my pile of DVDs to watch that I haven't watched in like 10 plus years. Mm-hmm. He was in Beer Fest, Lost, Django Unchained. He was the one that uh, is cracking the whip early in the movie with the Bible verses, and he has the pieces of the Bible pinned to his shirt, and he gets shot by Django. Oh, yes. Yes. And he drops straight forward right on his face quite comically. <laughs> Yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Mighty Ducks. He's in Mighty Ducks, and Soul Man, and Bre- Break. I know him from Breakdown quite a bit. Yeah, I watched Breakdown a lot in the late nineties. <laughs> yeah, it looks like he's on the TV show Lost, which I've tried to repress from my memory. Mm-hmm. Corey Feldman is in here as the boy at the museum. Yes. I wrote down my notes. Corey, there he is. <laughs> this is the definitely the earliest I've seen him. Yeah, I believe this was his first movie role. The youngest I've ever seen him in a movie. Neil Armstrong's in here. <laughs> Archive sound, of course, announcing the moon landing as himself. Same with Winston Churchill. It's all those people on the TV when they're flipping through. How are they going to include those guys in the credits as uncredited? (laughs) 
Like, I think it's okay to not include them. <laughs> Hold on a second, I guess. Is that your fire alarm? Yeah. The building one, so I'm going to have to leave the building. All right, I just want to keep it going for... Well, I guess I'll be back in five minutes, hopefully. Ten minutes. Sure. I guess I'll just keep it recording. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll mute this. Well, I'm back from the fire alarm. That was fun. Just waste 10 minutes of my life in the podcast. From the smoldering ruins of Eric Mulder's <laughs> apartment building, we continue recording. Wi-Fi still works. <laughs> Told you I paid good money for that router. It's too bad we're not a video podcast. You can see all the smoke and <laughs> ash floating around them. You can barely see them through all of it. It's so thick. If you hear them coughing, that's why. <laughs> All the Blu-rays and DVDs behind me have melted. (laughs) Bill, did you forget physical media? (laughs) All right. So I think we left off with the cast, although I think we are done with the cast. Yeah, because we were talking about all the historical figures that are (laughs) listed as uncredited in Mm -hmm. IMDb for (laughs) archive footage. Some of them just for archive sound, not even for video. So let's go to the synopsis. H.G. Wells pursues Jack the Ripper to the 20th century when the serial murderer uses the feature writer's time machine to escape his time period. This starts out very similar to the time machine. Well, it starts off in London, 1893, which Mm -hmm. is six years prior to when the time machine uh, starts. Uh, But it starts with Jenny the hooker wandering the streets of London. Mm -hmm. And uh, she gets uh, flagged down by, we're the POV of what turns out to be Jack the Ripper. The breather. (laughs) And uh, he points her, he says, I want to, let's hook up. And then... uh, she says, well, my place is close by. He says, no, let's go in the alley. He proceeds to uh, slash her up as she's getting uh, undressed in the alley. And it's like right in front of a cop. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, he he bails. And as he's leaving, a cop just happens to be walking by. And he, he goes and sees what happened. And so we cut from there to what you mentioned is very similar to the beginning of the movie the time machine where hg wells is having some gentlemen over for dinner and he's demonstrating his new invention the time Mm -hmm. machine and they're both very much proponents of socialism and uh hg wells here wants to live in the future where there's going to be a socialist utopia and he loves free love Mm -hmm. just loves it all about it so okay the the disc he gave me I put it in the PS4, which I usually watch movies in my Blu-ray player. But for this one, because our uh, wife was trying to take a nap and I was just going to put on the headphones. It's easier to do that with the PS4. But uh, it skipped a section. Basically, when there's a knock at the door, it kind of like skipped. And so I tried to rewind it 
So I think I missed a small section, but when there's a knock at the door from uh, the police asking about, you know, if they've seen anything suspicious or, you know, what have you, you know, Jack the Ripper has struck again, but yeah. And that's, that's a really important scene. I was watching it in my brand new 4k Blu-ray player and it skipped at the same spot. Okay. So it wasn't, wasn't the player. Okay. But then I put it in my PS4 and it was fine. I <laughs> uh, should have put it in the Blu-ray. And uh, so I don't know. Um, when I was looking at 4K players, like a lot of them had problems. Like a lot of the complaints were like when you scan or go forward or backwards, like it'll like freeze at, at times. Mm. And I've had that happen a couple times already, which pisses me off you know for how much i paid for it but it worked fine in my ps4 so i and i don't remember having an issue with that the other times that i watched that blu-ray so it's like the camera is right on stevenson you know jack the ripper's face and just freezes there and it skips uh forward uh, i guess a minute or two because i never saw him does it show him get into the time machine no, but you missed the part where like they're explaining that they're looking for Jack the Ripper and like they're all like, Oh yeah, you can come search the house and yeah, well I did you know, I did kind of see here? that. Yeah, and then they're that. they're looking around and like, where did John go? Where did he go? And then like you kind of hear the time machine like revving up. Mm. I think. Either that or he goes. I, I did see that they, you know, they found well, they were looking at, at his medical bag. Yes. And then they found the uh, the bloody glove in there. Like OJ's OJ. bloody glove. <laughs> All I'm saying is if if that was my sister, you'd be finding some bloody gloves at our house. <laughs> <laughs> you'd be dead. Now that's real. <laughs> but it's uh another another thing that's kind of important about that scene is it they come knocking on the door while the two are playing chess wells and uh jack or stevenson whatever his name is and uh stevenson always knows what hg wells is going to do next and that's kind of foreshadows the uh the finale where wells outthinks stevenson and is able to protect his next move to to kind of win the game pulled his queen yes so uh, where do we go from here we only have a few clips today only three so a little light in the clip department today yeah uh so yeah they they stumble down well not stumble but they they head downstairs and they find a big empty space where the time machine (laughs) used to be although you know no one else knows this but hg wells does we should probably explain how the time machine works because it works differently than the one in the movie, the time machine. Mm-hmm. So in the movie in the time machine, like you have to actually like push the lever forward or backward. And uh, you actually have to operate it to, to make it move in time. In this movie, it's kind of like in back to the future where you set the date you want to go to. Yeah. And then there's like a key that if the key is not in place, the machine automatically returns to its previous 
time and location. Yep. It doesn't stay in one physical spot like in the in the time machine. It goes east or west and gains or loses days. Mm-hmm. It's I don't know. It's a little confusing. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And then there's a. It goes there's at a not- constant speed because well, what does he say? The uh, for two minutes you will have traveled with thirty years or something. I forget what it is. Yeah, something like that. And there's another uh, device on the outside of the machine that keeps the person and the machine like together while traveling through time. And if you take that out, the the traveler inside the machine will be separated from the machine somehow and get lost yeah. in time sent into oblivion or, or yeah. infinity yeah basically. that'll come into play at the end so there's a couple rules there so there's a lot of foreshadowing in this movie a lot of <laughs> heavy-handed foreshadowing yes well this door doesn't latch correctly you have to really you have to really hit it hard <laughs> you have to lay into it get this and, door to lock yes and wells has the key to stop the the machine from returning so the machine does return, but it's like not instantaneous. <laughs> like it was gone for like five or 10 minutes in, in real time. And then it just reappears. And then, yeah, uh, there, there was some plot holes. I had questions about it. We can get to them later, but yeah. it was kind of similar to the time machine. You know, when he said, <laughs> I'm probably late for the dinner. It's no, you're not late. You have a time machine, <laughs> you have a time machine. <laughs> but uh, I digress. I feel like in the in the time machine the rules are all more uh they're all simpler but like a little more realistic i guess yeah and how the time machine works this one's a little more convoluted because he has the like i don't understand why you would want the time machine just automatically return to to where it was before like i don't see other than somebody stealing it like in this case, well, like when he was describing it or detailing it, he said if someone is injured or falls ill or something, or there's a medical emergency while they're traveling, I think that was cause for it. Like if you had a heart attack in it and you stayed in the machine, you'd go back to your previous destination. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess that makes sense. But I don't know. It, it sets up the whole plot where. The machine comes back. He gets to see where Jack the Ripper. We know he's Jack the Ripper now. So he gets to see where he went and he gets to follow him. And they end up in 1979. And for some reason, they're in San Francisco. (laughs) I don't fully understand how they got to San Francisco in the time machine. But uh, I guess that kind of goes in with the... uh, You go east for forward and west for back is that mm-hmm. correct and north for scotland <laughs> one guy made a crack about it but i don't think san francisco and london are on the same latitude indeed so later in the film i guess i kind of did the math and at the time of jack's departure into the future hg wells is 23 if my math is correct so he's pretty young what did you base that on his actual birth date? Uh, no, it was when he's, he tells Mary Steenburgen something like I'm a hundred and some years old. Oh, okay. 
And I, I just, cause the, okay, so that was 90 years in the future, 70 enough from 1889 to 1979 is 90 years. And I think he said he was a hundred and three years old or something. Sorry. No, 113. So minus 90, he's 23 years old. Well, he left from 1893. So it's 86 years. So they no, I thought they said it was exactly 90 years because they also say 90. Um, him and Ripper uh discuss the 90 years. It's no, because at the beginning it says 1893 London and they go to 1979 San Francisco. Hmm. So then it's he's even so, younger then. <laughs> so it's 86 years. So he's even oh. younger. That means he's about 19 years old. <laughs> How old did you say he said he was? I thought he said 113. I'd make him 27. Okay, yeah, I was going the opposite way. 23, yeah, to 23 plus 4, not minus 4. So he's 27. That makes more sense. I was thinking, Malcolm McDowell, you know, he's got the the mustache in here and the hair. I was thinking, I don't know if he's supposed to be 23, but. Oh, yeah, I did write down one line that he said uh, when when he finds out where Jack the Ripper is gone, he says, I've turned that bloody maniac loose on Utopia. Because he, he's, uh, again, like in the time machine, he just assumes that the future is going to be a socialist utopia. <laughs> and uh, no, not at all. <laughs> Although San, San Francisco is probably as close as he, he's going to get yeah, to a that's, socialist. <laughs> that's, that, that is as close as you're going to get. He takes a bunch of cash and jewels with him. Mm-hmm. You know, just that's, in case. And that little section i missed in the beginning does it show jack with his big money belt or did i miss that earlier no it doesn't they just uh assume that you (laughs) that you can make that leap that oh yeah since he killed all these hookers he probably stole all their money and he put it in this big money belt i guess he just carries (laughs) cash on him all the time like that because he supposedly has a shit ton of money on him well like I, I don't think he stopped. It was like the implication was like he murdered the girl and then went straight to H.G. Wells's house because mm-hmm. he had her bloody stuff in or all the stuff with her blood on it was in his doctor's bag. So like it's not like he stopped at home to, to drop it off or clean up or anything. Right. So, yeah, I didn't even think about that. He just had like a, a belt full of money. Just uh, on him at all times, just in case. Well, I figured he was just pulling a GTA and just <laughs> killing the hooker and stealing her money. Oh, I don't think he stole her money, did he? Maybe he did. Maybe he took her. Well, I just assume that's how he, because he, you know, he goes at, to the bank at least twice for a currency exchange. Yes. He has all this money, you know, H.G. Wells gets what, like about $15 from everyone in the past you know tell them i'll i'll make it worth their while i'll pay him back well he tries to sell his jewelry and everybody thinks it's fake or stolen and yeah. he doesn't have id so he can't sell it he can't pawn it mm-hmm. but he ends up getting 300 dollars, doesn't he i forget from what what did he sell i don't know he he had cash too that he exchanged he eventually came he, he figures out that uh Jack the Ripper probably needed to exchange money too. And so mm-hmm. he goes in a bunch of different 
banks trying to see if uh if he was there and he finally finds him bank of london yes <laughs> um we should mention when he when wells arrives in san francisco it's at the i'm not sure which museum it is but it's at a display of hg wells uh <laughs> like paraphernalia uh-huh. and, then, <laughs> and it's the, just like the, the, the security machine. guard is saying get out of there get out of the time machine yeah, the time machine is just like perfectly placed where it would be on display. Mm-hmm. And Corey Felt, little Corey Feltman's there. Daddy, daddy, there's a man in there. He's homeless or whatever he says. <laughs> I forget what he says. <laughs> and then we get the obligatory Hare Krishna cameo, which mm-hmm. uh, you'd have in every movie in the late 70s and early 80s. Church of Religious Consciousness. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand the Hare Krishna thing. Like, Apparently they just hung out at airports and public yeah. places, and but... I, I first knew knew them from Airplane. Yeah, Robert Stack kicks the shit out of them. But it was like it was a real trope back then, around yeah. the time this movie came out, and then it just kind of disappeared. You never hear about them anymore. Yeah, it was kind of a big fad for a while. They touched on it in Mad Men. I remember that. Is that a John Lennon thing? Did the Beatles write a song about Hare Krishnas? I can't remember. Wouldn't surprise me. It does seem like a a John Lennon thing to do. He was all about peace. Yes. So Yoko got out of line. (laughs) (laughs) I like once in a while I see his kid tweeting on the Twitter. And Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes he's like, sometimes he's like, thanks strangers for telling me things about my dad that i would never know from growing up with him they <laughs> 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 really appreciate it people telling me things about my dad <laughs> he's, he's pretty funny he's a good follow oh boy so uh hg wells is so overwhelmed with san francisco he walks right out in front of traffic and uh oh he's he's distracted by a woman in clear plastic pants and it causes a traffic accident mm-hmm. these mysterious vehicles these mysterious conveyances we'll get yes. into that more of demolition man <laughs> well, he was thinking conveyance. about he was thinking about free love is what he, he sees some clear plastic pants and he's like free love <laughs> Those got to be uncomfortable, don't they? Plastic. Yeah, pants. I'd say. Oof. Hope your lunch is uh, agreeing with you that day. Don't mm. want to cloud those things up. It's going to lead to swamp ass, I think. <laughs> I know, right? It would just be like a sweat box. Mm-hmm. It's like those uh, those wrestlers that put the plastic trash bags on to cut weight. Yeah. Or Preston Lacey and Jackass too. Oh boy. I think he shit himself too when he's running. <laughs> I think they have him on an exercise bike or a treadmill or something. Well, he shit himself in uh, the new one. Jackass. Yeah, I think he shits himself in every jackass. <laughs> he wasn't even trying in the new one. He just did it. <laughs> <laughs> just happened. God. Anyways. Uh... <laughs> So from there, we get the the montage of Wells trying to exchange his cash and tracking down uh, 
John for doing the same. Takes time out to go eat breakfast at McDonald's or mm-hmm. whatever alternate name they use for McDonald's if they they couldn't uh, call it that. He sits down at a table with other people already sitting at it. And it's one of them like fiberglass tables or whatever. And he's like, I've never seen wood like this before. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like plastic. I don't know. But uh, uh, let's see what else. Oh, we mentioned he tried to pawn the jewelry. And uh, one of the, the pawn shops is run by uh, a survivor of the Holocaust. And so he finds out about World War Two. Mm-hmm. He didn't know about World War II because he was from 1893. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this is about the time we meet Mary Steenburgen, right? Well, before he does that, he goes to church because he's desperate because nobody will change his money. And he can't sell his jewelry because he doesn't have ID. And he gets kicked out of church and has to go sleep on a park bench for the night. And then in the morning, he finds the Bank of London. And uh, yeah, that's where he meets Mary Steenburgen and he learns about women's liberation. The first act for this movie was a little hazy because uh, the itis struck me when I was trying to watch it. <laughs> but I uh, got myself woken up for the second and third acts. About here is where I really start remembering it well. Like the first five minutes or 10 minutes was good. And then there was 10, 15 minutes where doing a little bit of head bobbing but yeah at this point i was back in it well this is where it starts getting good so mm-hmm. not that it wasn't good before i enjoyed the pov kill yes oh well, this is where it starts kind of getting to the the best of the the movie yeah yes so he learns about women's liberation and he's <laughs> just fascinated he's shocked by it <laughs> It's, do you have a uh, manager or a gentleman I could speak with? <laughs> she said something about, no, I've you know, worked three, four years to get where I'm at and I've worked hard. And yeah, I wrote that on my, on my notes. Women's lib. It's a big deal in here. It's true. But he also finds out that John was there. And then, uh, well, the character's name is Amy. Mary Steenburgen's character's name is Amy. And she recommended, yep. And she recommended that he go stay at the Hyatt Regency. (laughs) She's also very uh, hot to trot for HG, and she offers to show all about it. Yes, she is after it the whole movie. She's very aggressive, and I don't know why because he looks like a dipshit. Why? It's probably the accent, and also it's a very unique look he's bringing. And uh, but you probably, think working as a at a bank where you make currency exchanges, the Bank of London, you'd you wouldn't be surprised or taken by a British accent. <laughs> think you'd see it every day. Well, that's true. Much well, less you, from someone who you know who looks like he came out of a Monopoly box or something. Well, he, he's kind of like a lost puppy dog, and uh, I'm <laughs> sure her maternal instinct kicked in. She's like, I need to take care of this man. He needs my help. Also, I might smash him later. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I need to get it in later. (laughs) I think we one of our clips later is her going on and on about her (laughs) (laughs) turn-ons. Sure is. 
We'll get to that in a bit. He hops in a cab and says, as quickly as possible, <laughs> take me to the Hyatt Regency. Before he can get Regency out, uh, the cabbie floors it. Yes. Down those steep San Francisco streets. It's pretty hilarious. He's just like holding on for dear life. Like he looks like he's going to lose his lunch. It's like Steve McQueen driving through there. <laughs> he might have been. Didn't Bullet come out around the same time? Yeah, it was late 70s, I believe. Uh, early 70s. But it was pretty big. Let's see here. Bullet. 68. Oh, wow. It was even earlier than I thought. Prior. Yeah. I was thinking 73, maybe. But Well, Steve McQueen, he might have been dead by this point. November 7th, 1980 is when he died. Well, he so. might have been dying. <laughs> <laughs> sure he was. Anyways, uh, so yeah, Wells gets to the Hyatt Regency and he immediately finds John. No mm-hmm. problem whatsoever. <laughs> That's a big hotel too. He just goes up and finds him. Yeah. And uh, housekeeping. <laughs> what does uh, he know about housekeeping? Was that a thing in the 1800s? Yeah. Well, he said it's uh, your breakfast, sir. Right. Oh, I think I, I think that leads into our first clip, actually. Yes. Should we mention John? He used to have the uh, the button chops and uh, the mustache connecting. And then uh, mm. here in the. 1979 he's got a little more modern look to him he shaved his uh his mustache off yeah got some new duds get some he's, bell bottoms he's, he's i like the, the white suit he wears at the the discotheque he's fitting cool. in a hundred percent i mean it's these are his times mm-hmm. bless my soul may i come in certainly sir you were literally the last person on earth I expected to see. You've given me quite a turn. Though now I think of it, there was no way of preventing the machine from returning. I haven't the key. No. And you managed to find the nerve after all. After I'd tested your machine for you. And how did you manage to track me down once you'd got here? That was brilliant. We must add detective to your list of accomplishments. Your regular Sherlock Holmes. I'm not here to engage in idle banter with you, Stevenson. You've used me. And you've used my machine to escape the ends of justice. I must congratulate you on that device. I confess that at dinner the other century, I thought you'd lost your wits. But fate intervened and forced me to ascertain for myself that you are truly the Columbus of a new age, the dawn of time travel. I salute you. I want you to come with me now. Yes, of course. Where are we going this time? To the museum. I'm obliged to take you back to face the consequences of your acts. <laughs> You're kind of serious. You're so Victorian. Now take me back. How do you propose to do that? By force? Be reasonable, John. We don't belong here. We violated... We don't belong here. Let me show you something. Come on, I won't budge. Sit. Now look. 
Palestine terrorists carried out their threat and began shooting the first five of 106 Israeli schoolchildren held hostage for 18 days in a sea. You haven't gone forward, Herbert. Have you gone back? We don't belong here. On the contrary, Herbert. I belong here completely and utterly. I'm home. It's you who do not belong here. You. With your absurd notions of a perfect and harmonious society. It's drivel. The world has caught up with me and surpassed me. Ninety years ago, I was a freak. Today, I'm an amateur. You go back, Herbert. The future isn't what you thought. It's what I am. Do you know that you can go into a shop here and purchase a rifle or a revolver? It's perfectly legal. These people encourage... Stop it! It's catching, isn't it? Violence. I was thinking, like, how is he literally the last person on earth that he'd expect? Shouldn't he be the first one that he expects? <laughs> he kind of says it himself. I guess he just realizes as soon as he sees him that, oh, yeah, he has the key. Yeah. So the machine went back and he came here. But I figure Jack's so smart. He's supposed to be one step ahead. He should have known that he didn't have the key. Well, I think that kind of goes back to that the chess scene. Which, unfortunately, when you watched it, the disc skipped. Mm -hmm. Because that's one of the things he always uh, kind of admonishing Wells about is how timid he is. How he never takes chances and he doesn't take risks. He's Um, a real soy boy. And, uh, yeah, he's a real beta cuck. And, uh, (laughs) but, no, but, uh. So so he didn't think that he had the guts to actually try his time machine. And uh, so I think that's part of it, too. So he kind of applauds. I mean, like, you know, well, thanks for, you know, welcome to the uh, the new world where you don't fit in. But, yeah, the, the modern world makes Jack the Ripper look like an amateur, which is kind of true. Because it's only been proven that Jack killed five women, right? Suspected of a few others, but I believe five is the official death toll. Yes, I was just reading about that. Yeah, the real Jack the Ripper killed five women over the course of 11 weeks. In this movie, he kills six people over the course of about a week, you know, in their times. Yeah. He won in London in eighteen ninety three, and then five in San Francisco in seventy nine. So he really upped his ante once he got to San Francisco. Sure did. So after the confrontation in the uh, the hotel room, um, John attacks Wells, but uh, a, a maid walks in, so he runs away. Mm-hmm. And then we get a little uh, cat and mouse type chase going on. <laughs> 
I loved it when they're both on the walking bridge about a block away from each other. <laughs> and they're both, oh, well, I guess uh, Jack is kind of feigning, you know, both ways, which way he's going to go, going back and forth. Right. Because <laughs> it seems like Wells is only about 50 feet behind him or so. And then all of a sudden it's a, about a city block. <laughs> and They're both looking at each other from a great distance but at one point isn't one of them like on a, a bridge and the other one's on the street below or oh they're I both on a bridge look that. at they're both on a bridge <laughs> uh, separate bridges but they're about a block away and they're kind of yeah it. and it's like no matter which way you go you get a <laughs> hell of a head start yeah <laughs> and then he yeah he gets hit by a car i wasn't sure how they were handling this so and that's the end of the movie because he dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? No, there's still an hour left. Yeah. Wells goes <laughs> to the hospital looking for him. And nobody under that name was admitted to the hospital. But he talks to a nurse who said someone of, of the description he gives came in and died, actually. Yes. So he's like, oh, can I see the body? No, you're not family. Or you know. So he just leaves. Mm-hmm. He just leaves and he goes back to the Bank of London. And uh, Amy starts a new life. (laughs) Yeah, Amy asks him if he wants to go to lunch, and it turns into a rom com for like the next half an hour. So, are we meant to believe that the nurse just made a mistake, or did Jack fake his death or just escape the hospital? Like, I, I wasn't sure what happened there. I'm guessing that the nurse probably was thinking of a different patient. British dudes um, always getting hit by cars because they don't know which way to look when they're crossing. <laughs> I mean, it sounds about right. Always looking the wrong way. It was a very busy hospital. So like, and they won the, the receptionist wouldn't release any information um, and they wouldn't let them go back. So I don't know. Like it seemed really callous for the nurse to just say, Oh yeah, he died. <laughs> you know, like, he was without, sitting upright <laughs> without verifying the, the patient's uh, identity and things like that. He seemed fine to me. But uh, my guess is he, the nurse was thinking of a different patient or maybe she thought he was dead, but he wasn't. Uh, and they were still working on him. Um, but yeah, e- either way, she gave him some bad information. Maybe she just told him not to get rid of him. I don't know. <laughs> Like, yeah, he's dead. Get out. So, yeah, after that, the uh, immediately uh, Wells goes back and uh, Amy asks them to go to lunch and they go to a, like a rotating restaurant in the sky. Mm-hmm. And she remarks how, don't worry, it's safe. You know, everything has got to be safe since the big one in 1906 or something. Last big earthquake yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, oh, she mentions the war. And uh, he's like, oh, World War II. I know about that. She's like, no, how old do you think I am? (laughs) Vietnam. I forget. It was like her husband went to Vietnam or something. I can't remember what the the context was. But uh, yeah, he doesn't know. Ted Danson served in Vietnam. (laughs) He's probably too old. He probably was in Korea. Yeah. But uh, 
It's an interesting scene because, like, you can really see that uh, Wells is out of his element. Mm-hmm. He tries to brag about his uh, his newspaper column that he that he used to write about free love, and she's like, "Oh, I haven't heard that in years." <laughs> He's like so crushed by it. This leads into our next clip, which you talked about earlier, in which she just <laughs> describes her sexual proclivities is that how you describe it that's i think that's an apt description (laughs) tell me something did you think it was very forward of me to invite you to lunch like this do you uh, often do i often invite strange men to lunch no i do not but it's not often that a strange man turns me on or a strange woman Oh, don't get me wrong, I didn't mean to imply it was a dyke. A dyke? Oh, sorry, lesbian or anything like that, because I'm not. I like my sex straight. It's just that I do go for months sometimes without meeting anybody who does it for me. You know what I mean? A lot of people like them. Um, my friend Carol, you know, I'm not telling tales out of school, but a lot of people can just sleep around, you know, but not me. I really have to like the guy, otherwise it's just no-go. Sorry. I guess I shouldn't say all that stuff right off the bat like that. It's not women's lip. I just get nervous. When I get nervous, I tend to babble. Do I make you nervous? Yes. You do, sort of. Why? Because I like you. Breathe, Amy. Breathe. (laughs) She rattles off a lot there. One breath. She's not telling tales out of school, but that Carol's a real slut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Carol's a real whore. She should watch out for your friend, Jack. She should. <laughs> for real. <laughs> we can kind of get into that now. I know it's jumping a little ahead, but so, you know, uh, this happens. I guess right after this is when she goes back to the bank and ends up inviting Carol to her place for dinner to meet, or I guess to hang out with her, her new boyfriend, HG Wells, Herbert George. Yeah. I think he goes by Herbert in this movie and the other movie went by George. Mm, Yeah. So, you know, they jump into the future. She finds the newspaper in the museum and it says, Amy Robbins dead. And yeah. I, I saw it on, on the screen as I'm watching. I'm like, that's not a picture of you. Do you not know what you look like? <laughs> She's like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. Because I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. How is she getting killed if she's in the future? Yeah. I looked it up and it's like, because I'm like, am I missing something? It's like, no, this creates a time paradox. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. That's not a picture of her. <laughs> and so she's so good. You know, we have to stop my, my murder, my death. I don't want to die. I'm like, what is What are they talking about? And Wells makes the comment. I forget who the third victim was, but he goes, well, it's too late to go back and save her. I'm like, what do you mean? It's too late. You have a fucking time machine. <laughs> you can save any of them. Right. Technically. Yeah. <laughs> so I was first 20 minutes of the movie. I was just like lost. Like, what are you talking about? That's not you in the picture. Like, apparently you don't know what you look like. Like, yes, that's her name. I know they they mixed up the name and the, the woman, but well, she knows her the picture. Apartment. 
Yeah, it was in her apartment. Yeah. Uh, so the assumption was it was her. Um, they got the picture wrong and not the name. I don't know. I I, I didn't <laughs> notice the picture was wrong. So, but yeah, because they go back to when they jumped ahead. <laughs> Like they go back three days or whatever. They don't want to save the, the third victim. So they yeah. just go back before. And I thought, well, I thought maybe I missed something. Because it's like, well, they're going back in time to try and save the fourth victim. Uh, uh, the black woman that's found in the park. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember all this stuff here. But I don't know. We I, skipped just, some... I just wanted to not forget it when we, oh, okay. we got to it. Well, we skipped like the whole rom-com portion of the movie. <laughs> She uh she drives him across the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. And uh he's he's been in an automobile before. He's it's old hat to him. He's uh you know, he's not intimidated whatsoever. But he's like trying to learn to drive as, mm-hmm. as she's driving. And he's trying to he's which, looking but, very closely on how to operate this vehicle. Which is funny later on because he tries to drive later on. And they end up in a forest where she talks about her ex-husband. Uh, and then he t- tells her that he's divorced. They go see a movie. I forget what movie they go see, but Wells was scared of it. Do you remember what movie they went to see? Uh, no, but I, I saw when they got out, Exorcist 4 was on the marquee. Okay. Well, that was probably that. But it was like a war movie. It looked like <laughs> a war movie was going on because there was explosions and gunfire, right? Yeah, I don't recall. He was just cowering behind the seat, though. Yeah, which is pretty funny. <laughs> she tells him, you know, this isn't real. It's just a movie. And she still has sex with him. <laughs> yeah. But when they're walking out, it says Exorcist 4, and I'm thinking, is this similar to Back to the Future 2? Or it, what does it say in the marquee? Uh, Jaws 15 or 25 or something? Yeah, it's like Jaws 13 or something like that. Because I know there's Exorcist 3, which was, uh, I see, 1990. But I guess you could say Exorcist 4 was, I think it's called The Beginning from 2004. But this movie isn't like set in the future of like when yeah. it's made. Like it's Exorcist 2 was before this. So I guess they were just, pre- yeah, I don't know why they were. And just making a joke like we're predicting the future, even though it's not the future. Yeah. <laughs> like it's the future for the characters from the 1800s. It's not the future for Amy's character. Yeah. It's the present. Exorcist 2 was in 77. I've never seen 2. Is it any good? I don't know. It's been on my DVR for several months and I haven't watched it. I'm sure I'll watch it at some point. Yeah. Yeah, so then uh, we see a newspaper headline that a prostitute was slayed. So there's your hint that old Johnny Boy is still alive and on the prowl. Mm -hmm. I noted her Mickey Mouse phone. It was Ted's idea. (laughs) (laughs) Ironically, her ex-husband's name is Ted. (laughs) Um, Well, this was just uh, when they decided to see other people. Larry got shut down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also funny. uh, She says uh, she, she asked, she says, Carol wants to know if London is crawling with Arabs because she, (laughs) because she wants to marry an oil tycoon. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and, and, and Wells is just like, what? I don't understand Arabs. anything that you just said. <laughs> Oil for what? <laughs> yeah, then we get, uh, I think it's the scene where uh, John is in the uh, the discotheque. Yep, uh, that's that's where he meets the uh, the black woman's fourth victim. Yep, uh, which the radio says is another prostitute. Yeah, I was thinking, I don't know about that one. <laughs> like, you sure? Are we just uh, sure that these are all prostitutes? These random dead women that are just showing up <laughs> everywhere. Of course, that radio uh, announcement interrupts the romantic uh, exchange between wells and amy where she says my god herbert i'm practically raping you (laughs) (laughs) she's so liberated Mm -hmm. such a liberated woman oh yeah after that john returns to exchange more currency and uh, amy calls her house phone to tell uh, wells about it and he Figures out how to use the phone. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I guess they didn't have phones in 1893. Yeah. Maybe they were a luxury item. Mm-hmm. And Jack kind of catches her. He, he figures out what's going on because she mentions, oh, how is, how is the Hyatt treating you? Yeah, like a dummy. So he puts it together that she told Wells about him at the Hyatt. And he says... Uh, Tell Herbert to leave the key at the exhibit or face consequences, which means he's going to kill him mm-hmm. or her or both. Yeah. He also leaves a note outside the door. Is that next, basically? Uh, next is uh, Herbert reporting uh, John to the police the first time. Yeah. He says he's Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yes. He thinks Sherlock Holmes is such an obscure reference that nobody's going to catch on to him that it's a fake name. And uh, everybody knows Sherlock Holmes. The cops, they don't find any any record of a John Leslie Stevenson or a Sherlock Holmes. Um, Mm -hmm. They check the the customs records to see if anybody's entered the U.S., with those names recently nothing no records whatsoever um and then yes this is where john leaves the note at amy's apartment yep it says leave the where does he tell him to leave the key uh he tells him to leave it at the exhibit at the museum okay or else i'll kill her pretty much yeah well it says what it ends with or else i'll kill her (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so this is where Wells spills the beans. Before he he told Amy that, you know, even if I told you the truth, you wouldn't believe me. And uh, he tells her the truth and she doesn't believe him. You know, I'm a time traveler from the 1890s. John is Jack the Ripper. He's killing prostitutes. Yeah. In fact, he goes and kills another prostitute in the meantime. You know, he's just, uh, he's got a habit and he can't stop it. Quite the appetite on that, Jack. Appetite for murder. So she doesn't believe him, so he decides he's going to take her into the future and prove it to her. 
Tell, well, yes. I mean, he takes her to the exhibit and says, well, doesn't this look like me? <laughs> His picture's <laughs> up on the wall. It's a big, it's a big exhibit. It's all HG Wells stuff. Yeah. He's wearing the same suit too, isn't he? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> it's a, literally a picture of him looking exactly like he is at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I guess there's somewhat of a resemblance. She just dismisses it as him wearing a costume, basically. Yeah. Well, there's uh, we one thing that we didn't mention in the beginning is he breaks his glasses on the trip in, and he just like goes into the desk of the display, and he's got another pair of glasses in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just replaces them. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, to prove that he can time travel. They jump ahead three days, like we mentioned before. And this is where we look at the newspaper to prove that they've jumped ahead. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll have to look next time I watch this to see if I notice the picture is a different woman. Yeah, maybe I just saw Carol, but I mean, I wasn't expecting. Well, I mean, I knew they were foreshadowing Carol dying because they invited her to dinner. And it was a whole scene about yeah. her uh, <laughs> inviting Carol over for dinner. But I don't know, when I saw it, I was thinking, that doesn't look like Mary Steenburgen. I think that's Carol. Yeah, I'll have to look. Because I don't remember. I didn't look that closely. Uh, obviously. Yeah. Um, but she is the uh, the fifth victim, mm-hmm. is what they're saying. And so Wells comes up with a plan to go back in time to ambush John. <laughs> Before victim number four. Fuck victims <laughs> number one, two, and three. And uh, oh, I guess the disco scene is after this. Uh, before he was just cruising. Yeah, the disco victim is uh, victim four, and there's a they get a flat tire on their way there, and so Wells runs off to make a phone call. Well, can it be mended? Can can you fix this? <laughs> so Amy has to change the tire herself. Well, he runs off to go use a payphone to call the cops, and he tells them. You know where the park is and you got to come save this girl and he leaves his name sherlock holmes again right i think so and is they the... don't the cops are like oh that sherlock holmes called again Fuck <laughs> yeah. that guy what time did he call 245 which was 15 minutes before the murder i think yeah i was trying to think if the cop was eating a sandwich or something or maybe i'm confusing it with something else i watched recently where uh Somebody calls the cops and the cop is eating a sandwich. He's like, oh, I'll take care of it when I'm done here. <laughs> yeah, I forget. They might have but been they, but they do dismiss it right away. I think they do send one cop car, but it's too late. It was. And then they're really suspicious of Herbert. Mm-hmm. So he uh, he goes to buy a gun mm-hmm. and he leaves he leaves Amy at the, the apartment and she's supposed to get some rest and wake up and then leave at a certain time but she takes a valium and it yeah. knocks her out all fucking day <laughs> and it's uh, up a little after six i think and so um their their plan kind of backfires because the cops are waiting at amy's ap- apartment and uh amy's passed out so she doesn't hear um but uh herbert gets arrested uh with the gun on him and so this this next scene I thought was pretty hilarious where he's he basically 
explains the plot of the movie to the police mm-hmm. a couple of times <laughs> <laughs> gives his full real name and here's our last clip i've told you i've told you 50 times my name is hg wells i came here on a time machine of my own construction i'm pursuing jack the ripper who escaped into the future in my machine now if you don't do something He'll have killed Miss Robbins by 7.30 tonight. What about the gun? They weren't making that model back in 1893. That's Korean War Ordnance. Look, I've told you. I just purchased it. I purchased it to defend Miss Robbins should the worst come to the worst. Where did you purchase it? At a pawn shop. Look, I, I don't remember the name. You're wasting your time. Please listen to me. I mean, forget about the shop. Forget about the time machine. Forget that I'm H.G. Wells. I'm afraid you'll have to do better than that. Last time you were Sherlock Holmes. All right, let's take it from the top. My name is H.G. Wells. I came here in a time machine, the one at the museum. Just tell me what you want. I want the truth, not this cock and bull story, and we're going to stay here until I get it. There's a term you don't hear too much over the past 40 years or so that's cock and bull story oh there was a a movie with that title not too long ago it was something something colon cock and bull story I forget what it was but probably some kind of gay porno <laughs> i think it was something british <laughs> same thing right <laughs> I'll, I'll take a look here anyways so as mentioned in the uh the clip there, Amy is going to die at 7.30 and she wakes up at 6.17 but uh, before she can leave, John shows up I found the film starring Steve Coogan you know him, so it was British Coogan's British, right? He's not Ozzy <laughs> I believe he's British, yes And I know, I know him from Hamlet too <laughs> yeah. Tropic Thunder Yes, he was the director. The film is called Tristram Shandy, A Cock and Bull Story. It's a very British-sounding title, Tristram Shandy. T-R-I-S-T-R-A-M. Tristram Shandy. Doesn't ring a bell. Yeah. Well, it was was from 05, so it was a Coogan vehicle from 05. Rob Brydon's in it, too. He's done a lot of stuff with him. So... I knew there was something, but yeah, that's so that I, I think that's just a British term. And for some reason, the, the San Francisco uh, Lieutenant was just using an old British term, I guess, to get down on the Wells's level. Yeah. I don't know if it's exclusively British. It's, it's not common anymore. Um, you do hear it once in a while. I think, I think it's uh also american all right well the police are quick to find out that they were very wrong yeah wells finally confesses to all the murders so the cops will check on amy (laughs) (laughs) uh and when they get there there's blood everywhere and a hand just laying on the ground (laughs) part of an arm hand so yeah that was that was kind of cool uh seeing that this is rated PG, right? 
Was it R? Yeah, it's a 1979 PG. Yeah. Granted, yeah, I've seen nudity and even semi-rape type scenes in PG films, but it was kind of cool in the this is after Halloween, but it's still in the pre-slasher era for the most part. And uh it was kind of a grisly scene at the Amy's house. It was pretty pretty shocking. Yeah. Especially after like half an hour of just rom-com shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The murder in the beginning, there's a it shows a blood squirt. But yeah, I mean, you yeah. kind of see the aftermath of her. You can kind of surmise that he probably stuck the blade low and just kind of went north with it. But yeah. Yeah, this, there's blood everywhere <laughs> all over the walls cop immediately starts puking oh man and then we end up at the uh the pan am monument and uh herbert's there yeah John's i remember the I remember that uh setting from the rock <laughs> <laughs> i was like oh yeah that's where they filmed the rock <laughs> as soon as i saw it i forget what it's called because uh, she mentions that it's from 1414, right? That's how far back it dates. Yeah, I wrote down sure. Pan Am Monument. So I don't know. I was like 1414. The there wasn't anymore. even anyone in the U.S. in 1414. Well, no white people. <laughs> well, even then, it was probably Vikings had been there for a long time. <laughs> the only ones. They're the only ones here. I mean, it. we all know that America was discovered in 1492. <laughs> and etc etc yeah i was confused what that place is although i've seen it you know in the rock and some other films i think and i'm just not really sure what it is yeah doesn't she say it's made of like uh like it's not stone plaster. It's like plaster or something because i think he asked if it was marble she says something like would would, would you, you believe, believe it's plaster plaster yeah, yeah. <laughs> So maybe it's a recreation of something from 1414. Maybe that's what it means. I don't know. Could be. Let's see. Yeah. So this is where we find out Carol was the one that was killed. Mm -hmm. Herbert ends up giving John the key and John kidnaps Amy. And then uh, this is where Herbert gets in Amy's car and chases them. Yeah. And it's quite the interesting car chase because Herbert is a terrible driver. Mm -hmm. Just awful. So they go, they end up back at the museum and uh, Herbert begs John to let Amy go, which he ends up doing, but he gets in the time machine and this is where he, he pulls the device that keeps the traveler in the, the time machine. Yeah. And uh, he also, I forget, does he not have the key to, or he, like, he gets the key back somehow. And John is, uh, he's traveling without the key. So it, it ends up returning. Well, cause no, I think it's just the, the, the machine went. never went anywhere because of whatever. It was like a second key basically that Wells pulls out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cause he pulls that out. And even if the key's inside it, you know, the, the machine sends the traveler into oblivion, not the machine. So and the I machine think it just stays, stays there. That's yeah. what it is. John just kind of disintegrates mm-hmm. into time and space. And uh, so that was a murder right there. 
Mm-hmm. Basically, basically, kills <laughs> you know, he uh, Ripper knows that he's beat and just kind of looks at him and says, do it, says, do it. Right. I think so. And that, I thought that was kind of a callback to their uh, their chess playing in the beginning, too. Mm-hmm. Like he was bested. It's checkmate. Um, he didn't see it coming. Um, Tip finally, over my king. Finally, uh, Herbert had the upper hand. And then we get a happy ending with uh, the two lovebirds heading back to 1893 to start their life. She's going to change her name to Susan B. Anthony. <laughs> oh, boy. That's basically it. Yeah. I think it free fr- freeze frames on them in the time machine, if I recall. Yeah, it was pretty enjoyable. Uh, like I said, Malcolm McDowell's pretty good in here. He's always good. Even in bad movies, he's always good. David Warner is fantastic too. Yeah. Really, really uh, starting to appreciate his work more as I, I kind of uh, become more aware of it. Well, how can he not? As the inventor of the ooze. Yeah. Just, uh, just thinking about the, the Ninja Turtles 2 movie that he was in, like how seriously he took that role. And like, <laughs> like he acts his ass off in that role. Yeah. And it's just a stupid movie. He's acting against people in giant rubber turtle suits mm-hmm. and a giant rat suit or like a, a guy with a metal face mask on. Yeah. And uh, now Feldman was only in the part of the first Turtles movie, right? Um, he was Donatello, right? He did in Donatello's first... voice. He might have been in the first one and the third one. Because mm. I was thinking... Hey, they overlap time after time and turtles too. But if I remember right, uh, he wasn't in the second one. Probably uh, not the third see. either. Cause I know like, like it seemed like there was a bunch of people that were in the first one that didn't come back for the second. And then April <laughs> for some reason they came back for the third. Yeah. Corey Feldman was in the first one and the third one. Okay. But he wasn't in the second. I suppose he came back for the third one because he needed to work by then. Yeah, by 93, probably. He was doing a lot of TV and straight-to-video stuff. Yeah. Before we get into fun facts, I think we can rate this. Uh, I would definitely recommend it. It's a fun time. Uh, It's a cool concept. I'll give it an eventually. Watch this movie eventually. Eventually. I think I may I may have reviewed it on the show mm-hmm. before. I don't remember. Uh, I, I think I, I would give it a soonish, though. Okay. I really, really liked it. Soonish. Good stuff. All right. Well, yeah, we don't rate movies often enough on the episodes. We focus on one film. We probably only rate the film on half of them, if that. Yeah, we usually don't. I think it's... Uh, we forget a uh, lot. <laughs> I think it's kind of assumed that it's at least an eventually. Yeah. If not a soonish or an ASAP. Mm-hmm. And I, I would think that a lot of times you, you might be able to, able to tell by our enthusiasm yeah. for the movie. And once in a while, especially when it's one uh, a film that one of us picks, kind of like forcing the other to do it, like when we do our movies from our youth, right? You know, the other person might. Well, we never do anything that the other one hates, but 
but there's one where you might give it a last resort and I give it an eventually that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Glowing reviews for time after time. So let's get into some fun facts. Hey everybody. Here's some fun facts. Malcolm McDowell listened to recordings of HD Wells to prepare for his role. According to him, Wells's voice was high-pitched and cockney-accented, so he decided not to imitate it. Mm-hmm. Probably for the best. Here's a fun fact. So I may have mentioned, every time I hear or think of this movie, I, I get that Cindy Lauper song stuck in my head. Yeah. Apparently the movie's title inspired Cindy Lauper's song, Time After Time. When in 1983, she browsed through a copy of TV Guide for, quote, imaginary song titles. Mm. I would imagine just the title was inspired by the title of this movie. Here's a fun fact. Amy Robbins was the name of H.G. Wells' second wife in real life. However, despite the romance of the film, the real-life marriage of H.G. Wells and Amy Robbins was anything but blissful. Wells cheated on his wife repeatedly and was unapologetic about it. In fact, he was so egotistical that he told friends that men ought to be allowed to have as many mistresses as they pleased. Wives, though, Wells said, must be chased for appearance's sake. Here's another fun fact. McDowell and Steenburgen met on set and married the following year. They were together for a decade and had two children. I think I always, I always forget about that. Yeah. I had no idea. Because I always just picture her with dancing. Because it seems like they've been together forever. Yeah, I don't know when they got together. Because they it's obviously been a while. At least 20 years. I'm guessing what happened is they hopped in the time machine and she divorced him. And then she hooked up with Christopher Lloyd. And they had a couple of kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's about the same time. When was Back to the Future 3? Was it 18? There is 90 something? 1880 uh, it's been a long time since i've seen it i don't remember the it was it was it 1885 i think that's what it is 1885 there is a there's a fun fact about mary steenburgen being in back to the future three oh, really? um and it says she uh in that movie she expresses an interest in hg uh-huh. wells's work callback it's weird when they do uh callbacks to obscure films not necessarily that this is an obscure film, but I don't remember hearing shit about this until you brought it up a few years ago. Yeah, and I, like I said, I, I don't think I had heard of it until I saw it, which it was probably on Turner Classic. Now, I know movies. you can just say H.G. Wells and Back to the Future because it revolves around Time Machine, but, uh, you know, they talk about, there was another callback trivia fact in here, I thought. I'm thinking, why is everyone referencing this movie that nobody saw? It seems like. Well, Nicholas Meyer kind of referenced it in uh, Star Trek Four, uh, when <laughs> Wells first arrives in San Francisco and he's asking that uh, what city he's in, kind of echoes Chekhov and Uhura mm-hmm. asking passerbys where the nuclear vessels are. <laughs> so apparently, there was a deleted scene featuring Wells meeting a punk who was playing extremely loud boombox music on a bus in San Francisco. 
Nicholas Meyer later reused this idea for Star Trek Four. Yeah, I think we've uh, we've crossed paths yeah, here. Because there's a couple other Star Trek connections. Yeah, we kind of mentioned that before. Uh, I I haven't seen any of the Star Trek movies, but uh, David Warner's in several of them. It sounds like uh, a lot of the the point the plot points in this movie were. <laughs> repurposed for star trek for at least some of the gags but uh yeah that's time after time yeah, well we're going to be doing another time travel film basically <laughs> uh demolition man that's a little different they don't necessarily travel through time stallone's frozen in time basically he like he sleeps suspend- for 30 some years suspended animation yeah I guess it counts. I mean, it kind of counts as time travel. Yeah. Kind of. If you consider blacking out while you're drunk, time traveling, <laughs> it's the same idea. Well, basically, their life is put on pause for like a thousand years. <laughs> well, not quite a thousand. It's like 50. Yeah. I, th- I think he gets a 70 year sentence. Stallone does. But he gets thought out after about 30 years or so, 32 years. They call him the demolition man because every arrest <laughs> he makes comes with a like multi-million dollar uh damages to the mm-hmm. but he gets the, the job done. <laughs> he just blows up city blocks arresting one guy. <laughs> so be looking out for that. And then yeah, after demolition man, you'll be hearing a lot of Wolfie and Stu chatting about movies with my little flavor that I add through the editing process, I guess. But that's about it. Horror extravaganza coming up in a couple of months. Excited for that. Anything else you want to add? No, I mean, if, if people got suggestions for another movie for me and Stu to cover this summer, um, feel free to send those in via Twitter or email. And uh, I don't know. We'll take suggestions uh, and uh, consider them. I suspect we'll do another one. Uh, we'll probably do four episodes total, I would imagine. Two recently scenes and then two full-length movie episodes. Okay, so, just doing it again. Huh? Is that what you're thinking? I don't know. I always just assumed you're doing three, but you guys can do as many as you as you're able to i mean well, we're gonna do, do his show as well yeah i think three for sure but uh, i think it's easier probably... for him to do this since i'm editing everything <laughs> well yeah it's uh yeah. it'll be a lot easier for both of us but um yeah i don't know because i'm thinking what uh probably one or two before july is over and then maybe one or two in august before yeah. We recorded Sleepaway Camp with Stu the other night, and I'm going to post that at the end of August. Kind of open the horror extravaganza early. Yes. Since it's a summer camp movie, I'm going to put it at the, post it at the end of the summer, <laughs> which is when it was filmed <laughs> with all the red and brown leaves on the trees. It was filmed in like November or something yeah. is what it looks like. Yeah. So we couldn't pay them enough to close the camp down during the summer months. So we had to go once camp was over. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, 
Uh, Brett, where can people find some lovely merchandise? You can go to wtmwatchthismovie.creator-spring.com. You can follow us on Twitter at watchthis__movie or Brett at PositivelyWolf1. You can also follow us both on Letterboxd to see what we're watching recently and what we're rating movies. You can check out our website at wtmwatchthismovie.com. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. And please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. (laughs) Hey, man, you're off my case. What was that? That was a very cute man. Mm Mm-hmm. That was a pickup. Against bank rules. I don't care. At least he's not gay. <laughs> <laughs>